You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Well, greetings, friends. How are you? You guys well? It is so good to see you. I appreciate the way you've been engaging with our worship team, and I appreciate them. Can we thank these guys for leading us in worship so well? I have missed you. I missed you a ton. If you're new to ACF, welcome. My name is Will Davis Jr. Welcome to Austin Christian Fellowship. We are thrilled you're here. Uh, my wife, Susie, and I have been leading this church from the day, first day of it, and we love doing it, and it's great to have you. You guys are engaging this morning. I want to welcome all of you online as well for engaging, and thank you for being part of this. If you need any information about this church at any time, if you will text the phrase ACF Connect, one phrase, ACF Connect, to 512 866 9908, 512-866-9908. We'll respond to you about small groups, about prayer, about ministry opportunities, about care for you, about baptism, about services, about student ministry and children's ministry. We have a lot of things going on here. It's all really, really good. So welcome. If you do not know, the big event is today at 3 p.m. I know you've been holding your breath for this. It's right up there with the Super Bowl, Okay. Uh, the first annual ACF Small Groups Chili Cook-Off is happening today at 3 p.m. in the youth parking lot up here on the west side of our campus. We think we have 15 groups participating. There's beans. There's a, there's a whole beans, no beans debate going on here in our church, which has gotten a little out of hand, to be honest with you. The trash talking started last week. There's an official golden ladle that will be given out to the winners today. Uh, there's aprons, et cetera. There's a squirrel category, okay? In the chili, that's the Rushy Creek people will understand that. So um, anyway, if you, if you want to have a really great time, meet some people. The whole point is to connect. We're doing it over chili, but the whole point is to let you meet people, meet small groups. If you're not connected, this is a great way to do so. The food's going to be great, and the, and the fun will be even better. So come on out at 3 p.m., walk the parking lot, try out the chili, listen to the trash talk, and you'll see the real side of Austin Christian Fellowship today that you've never seen before. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, I just want to put the date on the screen, January 2022, and tell you to be here. Okay, as we turn into a new year, the church and I, your leaders and I, are working really hard to prepare for some interesting stuff we're going to be talking about in January. And I want to get you thinking about it now. I've never done this this far out. The series and the theme is called, Are You Ready? And I just want to tease you with it and say, buckle up. Because um, we're going to jump in at a level we've perhaps not jumped in before, and I'm just going to throw it down. Are you ready? Do you have it in you? Let's go. Uh, Father, I thank you for this time. I ask you to humble me and activate my skills and gifts, and I pray you'll move in a powerful way. Uh, thank you for this great group online. Thank you for this great group here in this house. Uh, may we honor you with everything. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm grateful to my friend Charles Patterson for wrapping up the honor series so well two weeks ago. I'm grateful to my, chen, my friend John David Vasquez for teaching us last week and launching out this series called The Sound. And I'm really, I've been in Kenya for two weeks and I've heard some sounds in worship there that are amazing. And it's great to be back here and hear your sounds of worship. But what we're talking about today and next week is the power of music. And I wanted to talk about this for a while because the more you study heaven, 
and the relationship between heaven and earth, really things of great significance on earth tend to be a reflection of realities in heaven. Well, how is it you can go to a concert, be surrounded by complete strangers, and before the concert is over, be hugging and crying like old friends, singing your favorite songs together? There's something, and that's without alcohol. I'm not saying because you're inebriated. I'm just saying like the, the power of music is so strong. There's, there's something about it. Well, there's a reason for that. Why is it that music tends to raise things to a higher level? Why do we sing at significant events? Why do we sing to people on their birthdays? When we were in Kenya, the, the wonderful uh, African mamas, the, the women of um, seniority, they call them mamas in Africa, would, would walk us out from the villages to our cars and would sing blessings over us as we left. Why, what, what is it about music? What I'm here to suggest today is it's God's about music. And the more you get going toward heaven and thinking about heavenly realities, the more the power of music and what we just did. For those of you who think that the first 30 minutes is a throwaway before the preaching starts, you've got terrible theology, just to be honest with you, just to put it out there. Because, and anyway... I'm an equal opportunity offender. I apologize if I offend you, but I'm, it's early too. I'm really just getting the message, and I'm already anyway. Exodus 15 verse one says, "Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang." It's a first reference to singing in Scripture. It's not the first reference to artistry and creativity and music. There's a song. One of the descendants of Adam, his name is Jubal. The word jubilee comes from it he's the first musician named in scripture but this is the first time that the word singing is referenced and there were a group of people singing together and what's happened in exodus 15 1 is they just crossed successfully over the i was saying too if you could cross the red sea on dry land and then have it closed behind you over your enemies who are trying to destroy you they sang they sang to the lord and that that psalm they sang it's recorded in Exodus 15 as they celebrate the, de- the deliverance of God for the people of Israel. The book of Psalms is often a book of songs. Um, but it's not just, I'm calling this message, let heaven and nature sing. Because it's not just people who sing. I believe nature sings. In fact, sometimes I think nature will prompt us to sing along with nature. And nature and humans are all supposed to sing along with what Candy talked about a minute ago, what's going on in heaven. God created us to be a singing people. You may not be musical, but you are designed to sing. Now, some of you know, like I, that your singing might be something limited to closed settings. I remember hearing an African-American pastor friend of mine talk about some music in his church one time, and he said, sometimes there's music that is of such a, this is a direct quote, is of such a nature as to require a recuperative period afterwards. <laughs> Not everybody's musical, but everybody's supposed to sing. I believe the more you practice your musical voice, actually, it might just get better. Use a gift, it might just get better. 
I'm still working on that. One source I read this week says, singing is a vocal production of musical tones. It is so basic to man that its origins are long lost in antiquity and predate the development of spoken language. We sang before we spoke. The voice is presumed to be the original musical instrument. Listen, and there is no human culture, no matter how remote or isolated, that does not sing. What is it about that? See, this is what I want us to think about is, why is there stuff like music on the planet that's so powerful? Has anybody thought about why music is so powerful, why it can bring you to tears? There's something to it. So God created us to be a singing people. It's one of our oldest, if not the oldest, form of communication. If you look at the scripture, singing fills the history of Israel and that of the church. It's all over scripture. Israel sang in Exodus 15 and other places when God gave them victory over their enemies. Israel sang when God gave them water in the wilderness. Uh, David and his, and his army sang at military victories over great enemies. David sang songs of grief and mourning over the loss of his friends. The book of Lamentations is a lament, a song over the destruction of Jerusalem. King Jehoshaphat sent out the choir and the musicians into an army of conflict before he sent the, music, before he sent the soldiers out. He said, choir, go first and sing. And as they began to sing, Lord, your greatness and your mercies endure forever, an ambush broke out among the, the other enemy and they never even had to fight. He sent the, war, the musicians out first. Ezra sang when they dedicated the foundation of the temple. Nehemiah sang when the wall was completed that he built around Jerusalem. Jesus sang a hymn the night of his execution. They had communion. It was Passover. They made a communion. They sang a hymn. Can you imagine that scene of those disciples? Judas has left and Jesus singing for the last time with his disciples before he goes to face the cross. They sang. Paul and Silas sang in prison at about midnight after being beaten severely with rods, open wounds. I think they were singing because they couldn't sleep because they were in so much pain. And there was an earthquake and everybody's chains fell off. There are parts of scripture that many scholars believe are actually songs. Paul specifically would do this. He would lift He'd be like writing along in his letters and he'd want to make a point and he'd say, instead of creating a new way to say it, he'd just grab a song from contemporary Christian culture, first century culture, and insert it into his letter to make a point of familiarity that everybody knew but also advanced theology. So that Philippians 2 passage where it says, let every person have the same attitudes in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not think equality with God was something to be grasped, et cetera, et cetera. Most scholars think that's an early Christian hymn that Paul lifted from the catacombs and the caves of Christianity and inserted it into the letter of Philippians to give them familiar understanding of a really profound topic. It was probably a song. Singing is all over the church. It's all over the planet. It's part of every culture. We sing our national anthem. We sing our school songs. We sing happy birthday. We go to concerts. We go down to 6th Street to hear music. My daughter is, uh, all of my kids are musicians and worship leaders to some degree. Um, I, list, I, was listening to music, I was listening to music on the way over here. So what I want to do is just, just kind of pull that veil back and say, don't take this, think, think about the power of music and singing. 
and then ask the question, why? So let's note first that God created us to be a singing people. By the way, I'm going to finish this message next week. I'm not going to, today's part one, part two is next week about what happens when you sing, the, the power of releasing song into something. And again, you guys who are not musical, you don't need to be musicians, but you need to learn the power of, of ratcheting up the emotional level and going into that chant, that song over just speaking something. I can say happy birthday to you or I can sing happy birthday to you and there's a different effect. My first application to you here is I want you to mark significant life moments with singing. Learn to sing at moments that matter. It'll mark it for those of you that are present. And I'm not saying you need to be in, like if, if you're having dinner with a graduate, if you're at a funeral, if you're praying over someone who's sick, we do this, we've done this many times, we just will move into singing over them. So mark your moments. I want you to think back to last May uh, when the COVID class was having to graduate from high school and they lined this stage right here. We've done two of these. We did one out on the grassy knoll and we did one right here. And the one last, right, last year here, our band worship leaders sang the song, The Blessing Over the Kids. May the Lord bless you. May his faith go before you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. It was an amazing moment. And I remember, I never forget parents up here holding those high school seniors while that was sung over them. Now, we could have read a blessing over them, but when you raise it to singing, something happens, something shifts in the room. Remember, mama sitting right here holding her high school graduate daughter, just, just holding her, just weeping as we sang the blessing over her. So I want to, and you don't, again, you don't, the point is not to sing well. The point is to sing. I've been in, like I said, I was in Kenya a week ago, two weeks ago, worshiping in a church in Kenya, and the worship leaders there aren't the most gifted in worship leading. They just have passionate hearts, the ones I was exposed to. They're not, they're not hitting every note. They're not trying to. They're trying to communicate with their father. And they led us so beautifully. In work. They, they, they're not there to entertain me. They're there to lead me. And so I'm in. And I don't sing any better than they do. But man, I'm strong. So just be able, get over how you sound and sing. One of my most powerful marked moments, and I had to really... I had a list of moments that I want to share. I may say more next week, but I had to cut out most of them because of time. So many moments in life where music changed a room for me or a moment for me. Many years ago, before most of you were part of our church, we lost a leader in our church named Gary Fowler to brain cancer. Gary had an amazing story before he got cancer. And in 18 quick months, he was gone. And in classic Mary anointing the feet of Jesus before he died, thinking, his wife said, let's have a service that Gary can enjoy before he dies. So we got in a room not far from here, and Gary was at that point unable to walk very well, so he sat on a lawn chair in front of the stage with his two kids in his arms, 
still very much alert, but not where he would have been. And we affirmed Gary. And we said the things we would have said at his funeral about him, but we wanted him to hear them. It was, it was one of the coolest things I ever experienced. But then our worship team sang, I can only imagine the Mercy Me song about heaven. What will I do when I see you? I'm getting goosebumps. What will I do when I see you the first time in heaven? They sang that over Gary with him sitting there in the lawn chair months away from seeing Jesus with his kids in his arms. That's a moment. I can only imagine what it will be when I see you. He was going. And I'll never forget the power of that moment. Of basically singing, all, singing out a Christian into eternity. I've been in hospital rooms as the saint was leaving this earth with a family gathered up, joined hands over the, around the, the, the one departing, singing them out into eternity. God created us to sing. Mark your moments, mark your graduations, mark your birthdays, mark your promotions, mark your grief with singing. God also placed us on a singing planet. I love that, and this could get me really going, so forgive me. The, the scriptures talk extensively about the nature singing. Now, we live in a world, I've taught you this, that is post-Genesis chapter 3. Everything God made got broken in Genesis chapter 3. I believe that what Adam and Eve experienced in Genesis 1 and 2 was very Revelation chapter 21 and 22 like, and that there was an amazing onslaught, allow the word of worship from the creation, that got not muted, but significantly turned down after Genesis chapter 3. When sin entered the world, the, the worship voice of the earth got muted, and it's groaning. Oh, it's struggling to get its voice back. And what the one thing the scriptures teach is that when the redemption is complete and the earth, the curse of sin is removed from the planet, the planet's going to sing again. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear a bullfrog sing in English or whatever the Spanish, we're all going to meet, but it's a matter of a bird, a bullfrog or a, what, pick your animal. I'm like, oh, the trees. See, again, you're, you're looking at the plant, you're going, okay, this guy's absolutely lost his mind. But you're looking at the planet through a Genesis 3 filter. Imagine, look, God didn't create a muted nature. He created a nature that worships him. Which is why the Bible says that it did and it will. Job, Job 12, 7 through 10 says, Ask the animals and they will teach you. The birds of the sky, have them tell you or speak to the earth and have it teach you. Have the fish of the sea tell you who among these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this and whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Nature is our tutor, our instructor for what's real. Nature understands where life and breath come from and is trying very hard, even in the curse of Romans 8 says that nature is just struggling to get its voice out. And one of these days that struggle is going to end and it's going to blow with glory. Like a geyser just erupting with singing. Psalm 84 says, Shout to joyful to the Lord, all the, all the earth. Be cheerful and sing joy and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, with a lyre and the sound of the melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Shout joyfully before the king, the Lord. May the sea roar and all it contains. 
the world and those who dwell in it. May the rivers clap their hands. May the mountains sing together for joy. I've heard them. They do that. Before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth, and he will judge the world with righteousness and the people with fairness. Isaiah 44 and Isaiah 55 both talk about the heavens and the mountains and the earth singing. And Jesus, on the day he entered Jerusalem, just a few weeks, just a few days before his execution, on um, the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday, when he entered Jerusalem, the Pharisees said, would you please tell your disciples to be quiet? They're creating a ruckus. And he said, you know what? If I did, the rocks and the trees would start singing. Boom. God put us on a singing planet. And I believe if you listen, if you get real quiet, get out under the stars where there's not a lot of ambient light, or sit for a while by a river that's flowing or a creek, or sit in your backyard and listen to your birds during what I call happy hour, when they're just talking to each other, you might, you might start to hear it differently. Watch the sky and listen. It's muted, but it's still there. There is no part of creation. The last verse of the book of Psalms says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So listen, mark your moments, but also, friends, we're missing worship promptings all the time. Finally, God is taking us to a singing heaven. This makes me so happy. How many of you, let me see your hands online, believe in heaven? Let me see your hands. Can we just all go? Like, really? When you, when you start hearing about heaven, you go, wow. The book of Revelation, which paints a picture of the new normal, the new Jerusalem, the, the world after history has been sewn up and put into a book called His Story. And time ends and eternity is all that's left. Talks, the book of Revelation talks extensively about singing. Nation, imagine the throngs of nations throughout history. Martyrs, saints, redeemed sinners, creation, standing at the foot of the throne of Jesus Christ, singing to him. Without the encumbrances of sin and time and needing to go to the bathroom and fatigue and not fully understanding. It's all gone and there's that unbroken opportunity to just declare through song with your neighbor and with the created world around us the glory of God. We're going to be singing in heaven. It's part of what, it's part of what breaks out now and then. And we hear it down here. That's why music is so powerful down here, because I think the primary language of heaven is music and singing. 
So whatever's on, even, even music not dedicated to God is still music and it's still a reflection of heaven. It's powerful. That's why music is so powerful here because it's a reflection of a reality. Of, it's a reflection of an eternal reality. So let me recommend a book to you. It's called 90 Minutes in Heaven by a guy named Don Piper. I had the chance to meet Don back when I was in the publishing world and talk briefly with him, and he was a really encouraging guy. And his story is one that's fascinating. In um, January of 89, he was involved in a horrible car wreck outside of Houston and died. Was pronounced dead at the scene and left by the EMS technicians. And through an amazing set of circumstances, which involved a friend going to the scene, climbing to the back seat where Don's body was, because he'd been pushed from the front to the back, and starts singing over him, he actually resuscitated 90 minutes later. Don claims that in that 90 minutes, he visited heaven. And he's written a book describing what he experienced and what his life has been like since then, because his body is broken from the accident. And he kind of really wishes he hadn't come back. And I've talked to people and know stories of people, including teenagers who visited heaven and come back and go, this place is terrible. I wish I was in heaven. If you only knew. If you only knew. There's an entire chapter of Don's book devoted to the music of heaven. An entire chapter. He couldn't, he couldn't put it in words. If you'll indulge me for a moment, I'd like to just share with some of you what he shared in his book. This is what I call, I love people who've been to heaven and come back. My friend John Burke wrote a whole book on this, um, Imagine Heaven. I call it Reports from the Front. People who've been there. The single most vivid memory I have, my entire heavenly experience, is music. I call it music, but it differed from anything I've ever heard or ever experienced on earth. The melodies of praise filled the atmosphere. The nonstop intensity and endless variety overwhelmed me. The praise was unending. And the most remarkable thing to me was that hundreds of songs were being sung at the same time, all of them worshiping God. I heard them from every direction and realized that each voice praised God. I write voice, but it was more than that. Some sounded instrumental, but I wasn't sure, and I wasn't concerned. Praise was everywhere, and all of it was musical yet comp comprised of melodies and tones I'd never experienced before. I don't know if angels were singing them or if they came from humans. I felt so awestruck and caught up in the heavenly mood that I didn't look around. My heart filled with the deepest joy I'd ever experienced. I wasn't a participant in the worship, yet I felt as if my heart rang out with the same kind of joy and exuberance. If we played on earth, here are three CDs of praise. It shows you how old the book is because he's talking about CDs. So CD was a, never mind. If we played three CDs of praise at the same time, we'd have a cacophony of noise that would drive us crazy. This was totally different. Every sound blended, and each voice or instrument enhanced the others. As strange as it may seem, I could clearly distinguish each song. It sounded as if each hymn of praise was meant for me to hear. Many of the old hymns and choruses I'd sung at various times in my life were part of the music, along with hundreds of songs I'd never heard before. Hymns of praise, modern-sounding choruses, and ancient chants filled my ears and brought not only a deep peace, but the greatest feeling of joy I've ever experienced. I couldn't calculate the number of songs. 
perhaps thousands, offered up simultaneously, and yet there was no chaos because I had the capacity to hear each one and discern the lyrics and the melody. I marveled at the glorious music. Though not possessed of great, great singing voice in life, I knew that if I sang, my voice would be in perfect pitch and would sound as melodious and as harmonious as the thousands of other voices and instruments that filled my ears. Even now, even now, back on earth, sometimes I still hear the faint echoes of that music. There are so many things, friends, like music that we don't think about. That there's something behind. Something to it. So what I want to leave you with is the call of Jesus' prayer on earth as it is in heaven. When you sing, when you listen to music, when you, when you sit and meditate in music, you're doing more than agreeing with the activity of heaven. You're inviting it in. When we sang a minute ago, and worship team, you guys feel free to come on back out. When we um, sing here, we invite what's going on in heaven to move in here. I've sung in ICU waiting rooms. I've sung around hospital beds. I've sung in jail visitations. I've sung in church. And when you sing, something shifts. When you sing, something shifts. So to conclude the day, it would be inappropriate if we didn't. We're going to sing. Okay? And even if you don't do this well, with this knowledge now that you're created to sing, you're on a singing planet, and you're going to a singing heaven, you might treat this differently. And if you don't know the song, let it take you. But friends, there's, there's something eternal and something God-like behind music. And I'm hoping you'll walk out of here committed to marking the minutes, to marking the moments of your life. You're going to have a chance to do it today. Mark the moments of your life with song. Jesus sang on the last night of his life. Listen to nature. And sing. Sing. Lord, we bless you. I ask now that you hear us do our best to create a place where you belong. In Jesus' name.